Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bacon Warrior Podcast. Today, the boys and I talked about Xavier Tillman possibly coming back, whether or not baseball will finish the season, and some light movie talk before we're joined by Mitch, Trevor, and Lucas's wife Cassie to discuss Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Stay tuned. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not lying to an old lady in the desert about what my last name is, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined by the boys, Brett and Lucas. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Doing excellent. Enjoying life. Lot, lots going on, so just excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, there's, some big, uh, there's some big things coming for the Bacon Wire brand in the, uh, in the near future, so... Uh, <laughs> sh- Keep an eye out for that. Um, if you haven't already, just a housekeeping thing before we get started. Um, on Friday, we're recording a drunk mailbag with the Spartan Hoops guys, Soldier and DK. Uh, the Spartan Crazies guys, uh, Lumen and Ryan. And then uh, Will Hunter will be joining us as well from Locked On Spartans. So it's going to be fun. Um, I don't think it's going to be as debaucherous as some of our uh, – some of our previous drunk mailbags. We, we won't can I have, say something. Uh, Hold on, can I, guys? Can I say person? something? <laughs> we won't have an what? unknown person going. Hey, can let me let me. Can I just can I just say something real quick? Unknown uh, person. Yeah. Zanjo is going to be so pissed at you that you called him an unknown person. Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to out him, but. <laughs> well, you've outed him. I outed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's what's on the docket for today. Uh, Brett couldn't make it to our discussion for episode nine, but we did have Mitch, Trevor, and Lucas's wife, Cassie, co-host of the Weekly Whitney, on to talk about the rise of Skywalker. And um, it was a long, interesting discussion. Uh, Brett, you know, right now off the top, you know, if you have any thoughts, feel free to share them. Not my favorite movie. Not not very enjoyable. It probably ranks eight or nine. Hmm. Ooh, just yeah. While be- below the prequels, I even I I I I actively despise that movie, and I don't even have it below episode one. <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't up there. <laughs> yeah. So going forward with this uh, with the movies next week, Mitch won't be here, but we're gonna cover Rogue One and Solo, I think. And then Mitch, the boys, Mitch, and I believe Darian Harris is going to come on and we're going to give our dream cast list for the MCU X-Men. So that'll be cool. Um, So let's get into news. Um, Right off the top, we got to talk about it. Xavier Tillman. Um, as As far as we know, we have it on good up good authority that he's probably going to come back. Um, He's publicly refuting that, but people, you know, we trust in people who have gotten, who are well plugged in say that he's coming back. So whether or not that turns out to be true, you know, I don't, I don't understand where Dickie V got that info. I, I didn't even know Dickie V knew how to use the internet. So that's that's, that's the most coherent 
favorite tweet he's had. I mean, at least I thought he's gonna throw in something about people dying or like World War Two being bad or some shit like he's done before. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm very happy he didn't include like anything about Iran in there. That was that was a nice uh, nice omission by him. Yeah, so you know. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. You know, there's Henry, Henry, there's no news on the Henry front, but there's a lot of smoke around Tillman coming back. You know, what, mm-hmm. what do you guys think Tillman being back will add to this team this season? Championship caliber player. Um, I mean, in terms of, I think Sav mentioned it to me the other day. Adding Tillman is like adding a one and done, but who happens to just be a senior? So you're adding potentially one of the five, three to five best front court players in America, probably the single best defender. Um, and then with the senior leadership, because I think somebody also mentioned that if Tillman didn't return, there would be no senior day. We don't, we don't have any seniors other than potentially Josh Langford, but he kind of celebrated that last year. Um, so I think it just adds, I mean, getting Xavier Tillman back is probably the biggest move this team could have made. It's, Potentially, yeah, it, it, it's huge. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say, but I'm, you know, I, I really like Aaron Henry, but if Aaron Henry decides to just keep going and stay in the draft, and Xavier comes back, then it definitely softens the blow. I mean, more than softens the blow. And I'm not trying to downplay Henry's importance, but I think it's pretty obvious who we'd rather have come back. Yeah, you know, I think I think of the two guys, I think Henry is better served by another year. But Tillman is going to add that thing that all great Tom Mizzo teams have and that's a that's a that's a sen- that's senior leadership, you know, upperclassman leadership. Um right now, you know, it's not really clear where that's going to come from this year. And I think leadership is going to be even more important because I think we're probably going to deal with some kind of impacted season this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. if we're talking about a shortened schedule or a compacted schedule, you know, not that I don't trust guys like Rocket or Malik Hall, but it's it would be nice to have that, to have X back as that rock to kind of to kind of soothe the tide. Um, because you know that's what he was last year, and he was he was an invaluable piece of leadership last year. So to have him back this year, it's going to be his show, you know. Um, and you know this brings up another question: If Tillman comes back, we're full on scholarships, and there's obviously someone that Spartan Nation has had their eye on for a while, uh, Kareem Mane. You know it's. So something's got to give here, you know, coming up soon. If X chooses to come back, that's great. But a big is probably going to leave. And I don't want to speculate on that. But if we want Mane here with Tillman, then someone's got to go. I mean, that's just the way it is. Mm Mm-hmm. So whether that's, you know, Marcus Bingham or Julius Marble or Thomas Kithier, you know, uh, the front court's going to lose, going to lose a guy. Yep. And 
So we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, Tillman is very adamant that his decision hasn't been reached yet, but everything that we know about what he wants out of, out of being drafted a two year, a two year contract guarantee is pretty unlikely given the circumstances of, of both this NBA season and the NBA season to come. So if, if he's dead set on that two year guarantee, maybe it'll serve him well to come back and work on some things that he might need to work on in order to get a more secure draft position and get that two year guarantee. And I, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a draft, I'm not a draft expert um, regarding all this stuff. So um, a draft expert actually did reach out to us. We're going to have him on the pod soon. So um, that'll be, we'll talk to him about it. But, you know, other than that, um, that's basically it for news. You know, it's been quiet on the recruiting front, which Brett, I know that worries you a little bit, but I. Yeah, with football. Personally, this 20, you know, I've said it before, but this 2021 class was always going to be a little light mm-hmm. just because of when Tucker got hired and when on top of the global pandemic. So, you know, the guys that are still committing to schools, coaches have been talking to them since like eighth grade. Right. Yeah. So it's, it is what it is, you know, um, but the 2022 class, I think is really going to be the indicator of where, of where we're going to go from here. You know, the next two seasons, regardless of who was at the helm, whether it be D'Antonio, Fickle, Tucker, you know, Trestle, uh, <laughs> Prep Bielema. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we would not be having this discussion you, or this podcast right now if he was the coach. Can you imagine can you, those 36 hours of when we're like, oh, my God, we're going to get Brett Bielema? It was bad. We're, those were the lowest 36 hours I've had, I've had in a minute. Like, I, I remember looking at my phone when, like, Brett Bielema started trending for MSU. I'm like, that's all I could, that's all I can muster. I'm like, man. And then a guy I work with was a Michigan or worked with was a Michigan fan. He's like, Brett Bielema. I'm like, yeah, just kill me now. Like just, just flash forward four seasons or three seasons to when he gets fired after going like four and eight flaring out. And then we start over again. Like just fast forward. Oh God. It's fucking horrible. So yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The other big news, like I kind of predicted, is that the Big Ten announced last week that they were moving to a conference-only schedule. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time on it because it's obviously just kind of like a clock killer to just kind of see where everything's at before they say, all right, we're moving to spring. Now, what do you? I kind of want to get your guys' take on this because um, you kind of mentioned how with Tillman he has the decision and whether he can go to the G League and that might be disrupted. And my personal belief is I think college basketball is going to get moved to the spring. So I think we're going to see a February start just because the NBA calendar year, it's going to be shifted for the foreseeable future because they're doing this uh, truncated season right now, um, resumption of the season, then they're going to be picking up probably January next year. 
So I think it's going to be easier for college to move around, but uh, for college hoops rather. But what do you guys think for college football? How would I read an article in the Athletic today where Lincoln Riley's kind of just spewing off thoughts about a potential spring season. But how would how do you guys think that would work? And is it feasible? My thoughts my thoughts are this: a conference only season is a non-starter for a good majority of the FBS. Mm-hmm. If you're not a power five school, a conference only season is a program killer because mm-hmm. those programs keep their whole department afloat by going into Tuscaloosa or East Lansing or, you know, Austin and getting their shit kicked in and getting two and a half million dollars for the pleasure of doing so. So for schools like Cincinnati released a statement about right after the Big Ten, it was like we were really looking forward to going to Lincoln and playing Nebraska, and we're going to move forward with those remedy. We're going to do every avenue possible to remedy our, our contract with Cincinnati. So that's something that I think these, these conferences have to look at is, one – what happens to those, to those contract games that you scheduled in weeks two or in the SEC cases like week nine, right? Do you just tell them to fuck off? Yeah. Do, who's going to win that lawsuit? You know what I mean? Do, do athletic departments want to go through a lawsuit right now? I think that's something that, that schools have to worry about. Ultimately, I think this is all a moot point. I think that the Ivy league moving all activities like you can't, we can't start earlier than January 1st. I think that's probably going to be just like them canceling their conference tournament. That's probably going to be the standard going forward for, for the rest of FBS and FCS. I can't, I can't see a scenario where college football is played successfully this fall. I just, I just can't. Nope, unless it's on a computer game. That's that's about it. No, I completely agree. I mean, like you said, with the, the Big Ten just narrowing it down to a Big Ten only schedule. I mean, that it, it's punting the ball. You're just you're delaying the inevitable. You're just stopping the clock. But yeah, like you said, it's interesting to see what's going to happen to these non-power five schools. Because I mean, we hit we were having Toledo come in. Um, we saw today Central. Michigan, their athletic director, he dipped right to Florida State. And, I mean, Central's already kind of in an iffy situation with uh, losing some of their uh, sports programs and whether or not they're actually going to be eligible for D1 moving forward past this year. So I think it's it's a little bit of a tepid time for some of these non-Power 5 schools because who knows if they can survive a full year without the revenue. And we, we talked to our friend Matt Brown about this way back, way back when, you know, he said that, you know, that the programs like Michigan State, like Ohio State, his alma mater, they were going to be fine long term, right? The, it was going to be tight, but ultimately they had the endowment, they had the cash reserves, they have the, they have the net, they have the brand recognition to be able to survive a affected season of college football and a lot of these smaller programs just don't yeah Mm -hmm. like i saw something you know 
something that comes to mind immediately for me is Colorado State. Colorado State's athletic department is way over leveraged because they just built like this massive new stadium, like $250 million stadium and all these expansions to athletic facilities. And if they can't go and if they can't go to SEC country and get their ship pushed in and get a $2 million check, how are they going to pay that mortgage on that land? You know, that's something that in these bowl, you know, these bowl games provide money to these schools and, and they provide, they provide, it's free marketing for these, for these smaller schools and these smaller teams. So I'm not sure, you know, I view this as, I view this as, as what's happening right now with movie studios, but in reverse, Mm. right? The smaller studios like A24, like Neon, like, like some of these smaller indie, indie program, indie things are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But these larger studios like Warner's, like Universal, who spend $200 million a movie are like, are fucked because you can't make that back and you can't make that back on demand. I saw something today, Lucas, that said, in order for tenant to break even with all costs considered, Mm. it's going to have to make $800 million at the box office worldwide. Oh man. Don't, don't say anymore. You've already put the knife in my stomach. I'm just trying to, just trying to hold on to a little bit of hope to see it. I don't know, within the next year. I pretty much punted on this year already. And that's the situation some of these some of these smaller schools are in. They're way over leveraged with, with the facility. They're in a facilities arms race with programs who have th- two and a half, three times the endowment they do. Yeah. And who have bolsters who are who have boosters who are way more committed to their programs than than they are to, you know, Cincinnati's or Colorado State's program. What about Colorado? It, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado's, Colorado's been broke. They're going to, Colorado's going to stay broke. You don't think Colorado State can take a loan from them for their, uh, to pay the mortgage? <laughs> no. Colorado State's like, we got you covered, pal. Yeah, yeah Colorado's, Colorado's like, <laughs> I have $3. <laughs> it's the Patrick like, Star meme. Like, going back to movies – you got to wonder, like, say this vaccine is really the one that, you know, they're saying October might be a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. You got to, like, there's going to be a movie, a big one, that's going to have to be, like, throwing it out there as the victim. Like, okay, sink or swim. It's going to be, there's, that's, that's, that's Mulan's job. I think Mulan's going to be. <laughs> yeah. There. I think Mulan's. Sacrificial gonna, lamb. Yeah. Mulan's, I think Mulan's coming in August and then. If it if it bombs, they're just going to move it to Disney Plus, like in two or three weeks, like they did with Onward. I think that's what's going to happen. I I think that, yeah, Lucas, I I completely agree. I think and I think that's the right plan because you just we don't know. You you can't risk Warner Brothers not going to. I mean, they've got Tenet, they've got Wonder Woman, they've got Dune, they've got three. Well, not Tenet's not a franchise, but they got three three big name movies. You can't just throw them out there and say, "All right, we make what we make." That's not going to fucking work for them. Whereas right, Disney a- can be like, "Okay, we've got a backup," and technically Warner Brothers does too. But I don't, I don't want to see Ten on HBO Max. 
I mean, in a year yeah. or two, sure. But, like, I don't want to see that on HBO Max. Right. And, it, I mean, they're sitting on three giant, like, huge cash cows. So, yeah. they, they, have the, they have the ability to wait. Um, I think, like you said, I think <clears throat> Mulan would be the perfect experiment for this. Because Disney, they have Disney Plus, which everybody loves. Mm-hmm. So, let's say the movie flounders for a week. Next week, boom, it's on Disney Plus. Like, yeah. there would be no need to – I think you mentioned on your Twitter, like, there wouldn't need to be a staggered release where they're releasing it in India one week, then China the next, and America and a month later. Like, that, uh, like you can't I, do that. Like, if they release Tenet staggered, I'm I'm gone from Twitter until that movie hits the U.S. Like, oh, it hit the U.S. in five minutes, but just not in the, the format you want to watch. Bay. Yeah. Foot Locker, Pirate Bay. Yeah, I'd be on one, two, three movies. If there's a midnight, <laughs> if it, if there's a screening at six a.m. Eastern Standard Time in like <laughs> Portugal, yeah. it's on one, two, three movies at eleven a.m. Like, no, I, I will ghost. I will be gone from Twitter until I see that movie in person. Because it'll pop up on the time like, hey, check this shit out from Tenet, and then I'll be like, oh fuck, guess I'm gonna go pirate it now. You know, that's, it's just, that's the situation we're in right now. You know, tenant is, you know, with college football, with, we just don't know, you know, the pro leagues, they look like they're probably gonna, they're probably gonna just put their head down and try to plow through it and just see what happens. Yep. But these, the, I don't know how, I don't know how anyone can try to justify college football. I, I really just can't. Well, I mean, I, I, I listen to Levitard, you know, when I'm out and about and, and, you know, they play ESPN radio clips, you know, as little teasers to get you to listen to their other, their horse shit that they have on there. And I think it was Buster Olney, like someone said, how confident are you that the season's going to start? And he said 50% for major league baseball. Sorry for context. If you don't know who Buster Olney is and then they said, how confident are you that the season's going to end? Uh, like, complete, we get a champion. He said, no way, 0%. So, it just seems like, yeah, like you said, MLB and the NBA and the NHL are just going to go, we're going to do it, and if too many people test positive, then we're just going to have to end it. At, yeah, least we I, get, at least we got some money out of it. Yeah, and if I had to rank the sports in terms of how I think that they have the success of finishing, I would put the NHL – first by a long mile just mm-hmm. because I don't see any of those guys breaking the bubble and having Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid pissed at them I don't I just don't see like that's I don't see that happening yeah. next I would say is probably the NBA just because the size of teams is small and then MLB just, yeah M- MLB is gonna I think MLB has a good shot at getting canceled well because yeah. they're the MLB is not not doing a bubble they're they're just playing in empty stadiums and I mean you're just you're asking you're asking for people to test positive. I mean, I don't care how often you're you're playing with the MLB is playing with fire right now. And after all this bullshit, if they get 15 games into the season and cancel, they're, I, what is your long-term plan after that? I don't think yeah. they have one. They, they barely have a short-term plan. You know, you're already looking at a definite labor stoppage in 2022. So I don't, what's your, I would like to see Rob Manfred's 10-year plan 
for the MLB. Probably I just truly post it or like something because he's I, so fucking stupid. I truly would if if even if he even has one. I would like to see what Rob Manfred has planned for the next ten years of baseball. Mm. Because uh, you're going to have a labor contract come up, TV rights are coming up, and what are you going to do? You know, like what what is your plan? What is baseball's what is baseball's long term plan? Is it is it just what I don't understand? Because superstars like they're not getting the big contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole point of people like Miguel Cabrera getting these incredible, stupid contracts that pay him five years after he's peaked and he's limping around and playing 12 games a season is that it's it's like a time-served credit, you know, yeah. for all the grinding you did in the minor leagues. If you're not rewarding people for all the time – for all the miles they spent on a shitty bus – making $350 a week, then why the fuck are they going to, why the fuck are they going to keep pursuing baseball? There's some kind of high minded love of the game. Right. Some outdated culture. Right. It's, it's just not worth it. It's, you know, plus they're eliminating minor league teams. So you're taking, you're taking professional baseball out of markets. Like, what do you think is going to happen? They're just going to like go watch something. They're going to go watch these independent leagues. And I, I think the future of baseball are like these independent leagues. Like there's one near me, like the U S BPL. It's like, there are four teams. They play, they just play each other all year around. They play in the same stadium. And that's just what it is. They play like four nights a week and they get like 65 games. And I truly think that's, that's probably the future of baseball is just these small local teams where you just go and you drink $2 Miller lights and you just have a good time at the ballpark. The future of baseball isn't, isn't the MLB. I just, I can't see a scenario in where, in where the MLB business model is sustainable. Yeah, there, there's uh, three teams near me in a league called the Northwoods League. Kalamazoo Growlers, you know, Mac Daddies and the Battle Creek Bombers. You know, those games are pretty fun to go to. I've been to a couple of them. You know, it's like 20 bucks. You can eat and drink like a king and have really good – no matter what, you have good seats in a small stadium like that. I just think it's more fun to watch local people anyway. Yeah, so baseball – I. Baseball continues to perplex me. That's been a long-running theme of this podcast, is baseball just continuing to put my mind in a fucking pretzel. Yeah, there's there's no use in figuring their shit out. We're just going to have to be, get behind Chris Castellani and support him through through his sport coming back and, you know, having a great time. Oh, that, that upcoming video that we see coming mm-hmm. out, probably like middle of August when the season gets canceled, and then the players announce there's going to be a work stoppage in 2022. <laughs> it's going to be glorious oh, that meltdown. We've never we're never going to see anything like it. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of meltdowns, yes. I want to get your guys' opinion on this Will Smith thing. This this Will Jada this Will Jada thing. Brett looks ready. Brett looks ready to spill the tea. So spill the tea, sis. <laughs> what do you think? Listen, okay. 
I watched the whole like nine minute interview segment. Will Smith is an incredible actor. The fact that he was able to hold it together while his wife was saying how she got her back blown out by August Alcina was amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. When they were in their entanglement, whatever that means. And the best part is Will Smith, they, there's been rumors that they've had an open relationship for years. Yeah. And Will Smith's playing the victim while he's over there blowing Margot Robbie's back out. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's the most disingenuous relationship I've ever seen. And watching him suffer, I, I love Will Smith, but watching him suffer and pretend to be the victim when he's doing what God knows what with all these different women, it was remarkable. He, I, it's pretty open that like he was he was banging Charlize, right? What movie were yeah. they? What movie were they, what movie did they do together? Was that Hitch? Oh, God. Was Charlize Hitchcock. and Hitch? Hitch Hitchcock. Uh, yeah, it's Hitchcock. a pretty Dodds. Hancock. Yeah, the superhero one. Yeah, it's pretty open that they were that they were banging. I think right, like that was like a for blondes. Then if he was banging her and Margot Robbie. Yeah, the Margot Robbie thing, like there's there's videos of like their press interviews and it's like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. Like we all know. <clears throat> we all had an idea. What did 50 Cent got involved too? He, yeah, he posted <laughs> that. He posted yeah. that photoshopped DM exchange or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yo, Will, you are right over there? Yeah, I'm cool. I appreciate your concern, my brother. But tell me why she said that on the show for everybody to see Will Smith. We broke up. So she did her and I did me 50 cents says, then she said only she can give permission for somebody to blow her back out. <laughs> and Will Smith said, fuck you 50. <laughs> That's obviously Block. fake. Like it looks like, yeah. it, it looks like nothing. It looks like no an F word. message exchange service that I ever, that I've ever seen. What is, you know who I want to hear? Do you know who I want to hear? You know whose opinion I want? Like whose insight I want? I want Jaden. What does Jaden think? His friend, that's like the ultimate bro code violation. You fucked your friend's mom. <laughs> and then ghosted her. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Oh. He fucked, he ghosted your mom so bad that he went back to your dad. Like what the fuck do you do if you're Jaden Smith? Oh. I don't know how these like celebrity kids and I mean, he's a celebrity in his own right, how they exist. Like I would never, ever, ever be on the internet. I would be living in the woods away from everybody. I would come out to do work and do press. And then I would go back into the woods. Yeah. I don't know. It's no, it's not a life I've ever even considered wanting. Yeah. Just horrible. That's that's part of the reason, like, when I was little, I always wanted to be, like, a director instead of an actor. Because, like, directors, unless you're, like, one of, like, five people on planet Earth, one of five directors on planet Earth, you can just, like, be a dude. You know what I mean? Like, you can just, like, mm-hmm. be a normal person and no one's going to fuck with you. Yeah. Unless your name is Steven Spielberg or, like, Martin Scorsese, like, or Christopher Nolan, like, you're... You're just like, you're just a guy. You know what I mean? Like, even like most random people wouldn't even recognize them. Like, if I saw Christopher Nolan walking down the street, I'm not sure I would recognize him at first if he had like a ball cap on. Like, because you're just like normal people. But if you saw Will Smith. (laughs) That's true. 
But if you saw like Will Smith or LeBron James walking down the street, you're going to recognize them. Right. But like Michael Jackson used to go to in the theaters wearing like masks and everything. It's like, oh, we know who's behind there. Like, come on, dude. Nobody talks like that. Yeah. If Michael Jackson, if Michael Jackson wasn't dead and also canceled, he would be like, he would be like the perfect spokesperson for mask wearing. That dude was like the, that dude was the OG mask wearer. That's ignorant. My name's my name's my name's Mr. Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson. No, no, stop being ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fucking love South Park. So, where was I getting? Oh, you you talking about these like celebrities like not being able to have a normal life? This. This is a weird thing. So I just fall down YouTube rabbit holes. And like I follow, I subscribe to a few channels and like they're all talking about this like paparazzi YouTube account called the Hollywood Fix. Cody Ko? Yes. Are you watching Cody Ko? Yes, yeah, I, I watched watching. a video this morning. How fucking creepy is that? Dude, so uh, Lucas, it's, it's basically this dude. He's, we don't know how old he is. We're assuming mid thirties, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes up to like these teenage TikTok stars and just like asks them about their sex life. Like, hi, Charlie D'Amelio, how's your sex life? Like, straight, like, <laughs> like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Well, no, not like, but kind of, yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Yeah. Any so <laughs> anyway, how's his sex life? <laughs> oh. What was his name again? I I didn't catch it. It's called the Hollywood Fix. I don't know his name, but he just okay, like Hollywood Fix. He's got like this DSLR camera, and he just runs up on teenagers. <laughs> he's just like, "Who are you fucking right now?" Yeah, oh, like God. it's funny because the TikTokers they'll be like out in front of like it's called like the hype house or something, and they're out taking pictures of like these little like eight year old kids who like idolize them. He's come up. He's like, "Hey, why is this person like? Why aren't you texting them back? Are you guys still having sex?" Like the little girl, like looking up at him, like, what is what? What is that? And it's just the most awkward. It doesn't make any sense why this exists, but the fact that he posts a video and it gets like five hundred thousand views in a couple hours shows why he does it. It's creepy. I gotta find out who this guy is. It's weird. It's I'm I'm like I'm this close to making him the to making him a bacon warrior enemy. Just so we I'm can with fu- you. Just so we can fuck him up. It's weird. Like you're just like you have. I understand, right? Everyone's got to make a buck, but you're just mm-hmm. straight up ambushing teenagers and asking them like, asking them about like their sex lives. Like, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's a weird way to go about joking with young people. Like, literal. It's- like, Lucas, these people are literal teenagers, like sixteen. It's it's just as creepy as taking a picture with your niece and nephew with your with a bathrobe. <laughs> hey, don't don't disrespect don't disrespect our uh, our king. Uh, <laughs> just had to had to bring that up. I saw that today. If if, Ch- if Chad Latz had money, would he be on the flight logs? <laughs> would he be on the flight logs? He'd be a permanent resident. <laughs> He'd have his visa. He'd oh, have God. a visa. Oh. Lucas, I'm I'm gonna send you this video in our chat. <laughs> okay. Of checking in with the hype house. It it just yeah, it's 
should I I I'm almost speechless. It's and Cody Ko, I love Cody Ko. I think he's one of the best like YouTube personalities. I think he came from Vine. Yeah, um, he was a Viner. He just gets he's like one of us. He just like he's like, what is this? Like he doesn't understand why he's famous. I'll look at it after we're done recording because I don't have a headset on. So I can, Oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. Plus it's like twenty minutes long too. So Okay. Uh Oh, I. Oh, it's a cringeworthy picture. I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It got it. Get, it let me get that joke off, so I'm proud. Them them titties are out too. Like, yeah. Oh god. Damn. Our chat. Our chat's been. I well. Our bacon wire like network. We have like. Shut our up. Little, uh, You're not supposed to talk about it. We have our own avenue medium where we talk. <laughs> and nope. that's how we saw that. So, um, <laughs> I didn't say anything this week. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, that's me. I'm just going to leave it in. I'm going to feed you to the wolves. I'm going to feed yeah, you. To, I'm going to feed you to Jordan and Brendan. You're going to have to. Oh God. Those a hey, shout out to them, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We shouldn't really go down that route, but we'll give them a shout out because otherwise they'll bit one of them will bitch about it. <laughs> So before we talk about episode nine, we haven't done one in a while. Um, I have a pitch room for you guys. So uh, SD97, throw the Shark Tank music right here. Uh, I'm going to pitch you guys a couple things, uh, a TV show and a movie. Uh, I'm going to start with the TV show. Um, You guys might have heard of it. It's on FX. It's on FX on Hulu. It's called Dave. Yeah. Little Dicky. Yeah. The Little Dicky show. Lil Dicky in high school was like the peak of comedy for me. And then I was like, okay, like, like the album he did where he was talking, where he was like this brain, where he was like this brain from like that song from one of his albums. I'm like, what the hell talk? Yeah. He recorded an entire album as like this weird brain thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And then that song earth earth is so bad. Earth is such a bad song. Bad. It's so bad. Any celebrity kind of song like that is just horrible. Hey, watch your mouth. We Are the World is a banger. The original or the new one? The original. The OG one. Okay. Or that uh, the song they sing in Daddy's Home too. What's the Christmas one? <laughs> uh, I only saw the movie once. So <laughs> it's like my dad's. It's like my dad's like favorite Christmas movie now. So. I don't I don't know. Oh god. <laughs> I think it's just because there's this bit where they're like someone touched the thermostat. Who would touch the thermostat and they're all like like the four dads are like going back and forth arguing about how sacred the thermostat is or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's like a pretty good bit, but outside of that it's pretty bad. Yeah. But th- back to the show Dave. Dave Dave, the show is incredible. Um, it's created by Little Dicky and Jeff Schaefer. And Jeff Schaefer has an incredible pedigree. He mm-hmm. was a writer on Seinfeld. He what? He's a producer on Curb. He created the League, which if you guys know the League, I fucking love that. Though. He co-created this show. He co-created the show with Dave, and the first three episodes are directed by Greg Matola 
who you may know as the director of Superbad. Sorry, sorry, I'm not going to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, You know, it's just, it's this really interesting take on, you know, kind of Lil Dicky's come up. Um, It's not like, it's not like farcical. It takes it, it's, it's a super serious approach to a ridiculous premise of like, this guy raps about how small his dick is all the time. (laughs) And I really enjoy it. You know, there's a lot, the side characters are incredible. Like he has this hype man, Gaeta. He is, he's off the chain. He's so fucking funny. And he's like the emotional center of the show for like two episodes. He has this incredible two episode arc that I just find that was probably some of the best writing I've seen in a TV show this year. So if you guys haven't, you know, you guys know who little Dicky is, but you guys should really check out Dave. It's really nothing like he's ever done before. You know, hmm. it's, it's probably the cleanest, most creatively focused thing Dave has ever done. Honestly. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. Cause I'm, every time I go on Hulu, I've been watching the, the show 11, 22, 63 about James Franco going back and trying to prevent the JFK assassination. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm watching that now. I really like that. But every time I log onto the app, I see that Dave is like one of the top recommended shows. So that's definitely next up on my list. Yeah. You guys check out Dave. And then the other thing I'm going to recommend is a movie also on Hulu, uh, Palm Springs. Um, Palm Springs is a movie starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, who you guys may know as the mother from how I met your mother. Mm. And it's a, it's a time loop movie. That's, that's how I'll describe it. You know, kind of a la Groundhog Day or Edge of Tomorrow. You know, there are characters stuck in a time loop and it's about them trying to get out. But it's this really like, it's this really bonkers take that like only the guys who are behind the Lonely Island could like come up with. And if you like Hot Rod and you like Popstar, Mm-hmm. <laughs> This movie is simultaneously similar and couldn't be more different from those two films. And, you know, I was a little bit worried about it because it set a, it set a record for the um, highest acquisition at Sundance. And it was, and it broke the record by 69 cents. So I'm like, all right, what the fuck is this movie? And, you know, um, Sean Fennessy, the host of the Big Picture podcast, recommended it. The Big Time Movie Boys really liked it, so I sat down to watch it, and I was just, I was just blown away. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic film. I don't want to go any deeper on it, just because you know it's something that I think you guys should discover. People should discover on their own. So if you haven't read or seen or watched anything about it. Don't just go in knowing that it's like a t- it's like Groundhog Day, but it, at the same time it's nothing like Groundhog Day. The only thing it shares with Groundhog Day is like someone is living the same day over and over again. That's the only thing you need to know. I'm yeah. in on that. I'll have to check it. Out. I think I think we might watch it tonight. I'm not. I'm trying to get. I want to watch Dave, but like I'm trying to get Cassie to watch Hannibal with me. Because I really wanted to watch that show when it was on NBC and I didn't get to it. So maybe 
maybe we'll we'll burn through Dave since it's only one season and then move on. But yeah, Jeff Schaefer is great. I mean, the league and he also created the Festivus poll, which is pretty amazing. An amazing part of Seinfeld and pop culture history. And did you you listen to his interview with the boys, right? Yeah, of course. It was great. That was a great interview. Yeah. He's he's great. Um Dave is great. Palm Springs is great. You guys yeah. should check those out. And if you haven't seen Pop Star and you're listening, watch it. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. If Pop Star Pop Star fucking rules. I mean It ages it's aged so well. And so- like, I remember watching it, and I'm like, this is okay. And then I watched it. We bought it, like, at Family Video. And I'm like, okay, this movie's really fucking funny. <laughs> Just the more and more I watch it, the more I like it. Yeah, the the best comedies are the ones where you watch it the first time, and you're like, okay. And then you, like, watch it again, and you're like, holy shit, this is pretty funny. And then, like, you watch it, like, 20 times. Like, that's how I am with like Anchorman and Talladega Nights and all those movies, like those movies didn't grab me right away. But the more I watched them, the more I was like, yeah, the more I was into it. Tropic Thunder was like that for me. I liked it when it came out, but then like the older I got and the more in the movies I became, I was like, this movie's fucking brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. That, yeah, that's how I felt about that. That's definitely one I can compare it to your feeling. Yeah. So that's that's all we got for the for right now. So uh let's kick it over to me, Lucas, Trevor, Mitch, and Cassie to talk about the Rise of Skywalker. All right. We're back. Uh we're joined by Mitch, our uh Star Wars shaman, and uh Trevor. And we're also joined by Lucas. Lucas, say the line, Lucas. My wife. Yeah. <laughs> Cassie Whitney, co-host of the Weekly Whitney Podcast. And Hello. we're here to wrap up the final chapter in the Skywalker saga, <sighs> episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. No. So I just kind of want to get everyone's thoughts on this first because I have... I just have a complete non sequitur about it. So let's start with Mitch. Okay. Um, so, my, I mean, my thoughts are it, it's an okay movie. Uh, probably like six and a half to seven and a half out of ten. Not great, not horrible. Um, I mean, the whole thing is just fan service. Lots of, uh, you know, member berries moments, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make everyone feel good. Didn't take any risks at all just tried to close it out as simple as simply as they could um without taking any risks because the way eight went you know so many people hated it um so they were scared um what else finn's obsession with ray is like super annoying throughout the entirety of the movie probably even the trilogy just because Mm -hmm. like she she clearly doesn't really like him like she likes him as a friend and platonically but like she but but he loves her and, and like he could have Rose or the the girl from Endor, the other uh, deserter, quote unquote. I can't remember her name. Jenna, Jenna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could have could have been with either of them. Both of them, you know, seemed to want more than a platonic relationship with him, and he just was obsessed with Ray the entire time. Um, 
the in the final battle, I watched it this morning. So in the final battle, when Ray uh, force passes the lightsaber um, to Ben Solo was one of the coolest things they've done with the Force in all of the Star Wars movies, in my opinion. I think like, we really can all awesome. agree on that. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's um, dope. Yeah. Um, and then I don't really see why Ben Solo had to die. Uh, I didn't think it was necessary. I don't think it added to anything outside of leaving Ray alone. Leaving Ray alone again. Hmm. Um, and then I don't understand what people who have strong female characters in their movie, I don't understand what the director's obsession is with making them need a man in the end to like save them, like a la like Wonder Woman um, you know, Gal Gadot was a kick-ass warrior goddess uh, the entire movie and then at the end she had to see uh, what was the name, Steve? Yeah. You see Steve, like, quote-unquote, die. We don't know if he's dead. Um, before she could unleash her full power and defeat Ares. Like, same thing here. Like, why? Like, Rey had already defeated Palpatine. I didn't really think she needed Ben to give his last remaining life force to save. But, like, like, we already knew they loved each other. They had that, you know, that connection. So, like, I didn't think it was necessary. And, again, like, if you're going to go feminism, just, like, do it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, what about you? You know, your kind of opening thoughts before we <laughs> go deeper. Here we go. Well, I remember when I first saw it, you first see the reviews, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's it's a risky movie. It's a lot to hold up to, especially when you try to proclaim it as the end of the Skywalker saga. And when I saw opening night, I was like, this is fine. You know, I can live with it. Uh, there were some good moments, like what Mitch mentioned with Ray and Kylo's force connection and the saber. Uh, seeing it again, I was like, okay, I'm liking this more, but maybe it's just because I was in a good mood. But as time went on, it was the complete opposite of how I felt about The Last Jedi. The more I like watched that, the more I liked that. But with this one, you know, you have his power too. You're his granddaughter or somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> you know, just that line. On you know, Fortnite. So, yeah, me too. That, Palpatine, that line, Palpatine way, where we drop it, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that line in and of itself, that delivery by Oscar Isaac is probably the best thing from the entire movie. Outside of uh, the Emperor old, um, reusing some old prequel lines. But the issue with this movie is it just tries to do too much all at once. And I genuinely think bringing back J.J. Abrams was the worst decision by Kathleen Kennedy and hiring Chris Terrio as the co-writer, co-writer of Batman v Superman. So there's your little omen right there. <laughs> there is something with him and having connections with family that just, he tries to find a way to have people have connections through family, Chris Terrio, or <laughs> through like a certain thing. Like when Batman v Superman, there was Martha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say that name? So, oh, Skywalker to me is just one of those movies that just fails in almost every corner with a couple cool scenes. It's no different than episode one and two in terms of like, yeah, this is bad, but there's some cool moments in there type shit. Yeah. Um, I, I, 
I gave it a 40, and I'm being generous because it's still not as bad in my eyes as episode one and two. And I'm, I'm, I might go back and rewatch one and two again to see if my scores will change or if I can fluctuate. But I think the, the biggest problem this movie has is, like Mitch and Trevor said, everyone just panicked. It's literally a now that's what I call Star Wars compilation. Like you have, I have a greatest hits count that I made. Um, you have Palpatine coming back. Like, hey, you remember Emperor Palpatine? Well, guess what? He's back. <laughs> Somehow, he's back. Um, the chess game that Chewie always wins. That's a little one, but that's part of the greatest hits. Um, Lando. And again, Darth Vader's helmet, which is weird because Kylo Ren has this obsession with his grandfather, but he's touching his fucking decapitated skull, which is just odd. If I, if it were me, if I were like his assistant, but can we talk about that a little bit? Like, can we embellish on that? Is the skull inside the helmet? Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh. I think it's just the I think it's just the melted helmet at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, it's like it's this, weird. It's symbolic. It's symbolic of it. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And a very member Barry's moment is when Ray is about to find that wayfinder in the Death Star two wreckage. And you hear that same eerie music from Return of the Jedi when Luke goes into Palpatine's lair to fight his to fight Darth Vader. Like it's almost you know it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Luke and I'll get I have thoughts on that whole scene later. And the X-wing resurrection just like Yoda from Empire. And then you that was pretty the, awesome. I, yeah, that I, was cool. But it was definitely like, hey, you remember when Yoda did that? Yeah. Check this shit out. And then Han Solo coming back, which was a good scene. I like that part. And and then it counts, but it's a cool moment, is when Anakin, Qui-Gon, Mace, Windu, Yoda, Obi-Wan, etc., all sort of spiritually come back and pump Ray up, like our hype beast for her. So that was actually a good callback moment to the beginning of the movie. I'll give, I'll give J.J. props for that. Because that was like your yeah. first scene with Ray, her doing the training, he and it finally came back. I need to. I need to know. I still need to know what happened to Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> well, apparently they're uh, making a new series called The Bad Batch uh, after yeah. Call One, and there's Saw a that. Rebel perspective show coming out. So, Spartan Dog, what do you? What are your thoughts? Like, or can can we talk? Can we get Cassie's thoughts real quick? Oh, absolutely. And that's why she's here. Go, go ahead. You're up. Batter up. Um, I I don't think that it's the huge turd that Lucas has always said it is. <laughs> But I do, I do think it's worse. I think that it's not as good as The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was fantastic. Um, I think this one and Force Awakens are kind of like equally good and bad in my opinion because they're both, they feel like a box office hit instead of like what Star Wars should be. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's my overall opinion. Okay. Yeah. The Last Jedi was more like a film. Where these are like blockbuster movies by JJ. Yeah, that's a good oh, way. Of okay. it, the, yeah, the last the last Jedi they finally took some risks, and right. the mega nerds got upset, so they went back to being boring. Like, yeah, that right. you know, like we have space wizards using magic in a galaxy far, far away, but God forbid that we take some risks and do some crazy shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's not the established canon lore, guys. Come on, that's just not how it works. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Well, 
All right. So follow me down this rabbit hole, if you would, if you would please. Okay. So early on in my subbing career, I realized that subbing for middle and high school was infinitely easier than elementary school students. One, yes. because they're, they're not constantly tattling on each other. Yes. <laughs> and two, middle and high schoolers are, are pretty low maintenance, you know? They're going to go on their phone regardless of whether or not you tell them to not be on their phones. So my whole thing is like, here's your assignment. It's due at the end of the hour. I'm collecting it regardless. You finish it or not, right? So I give up the assignment and then I basically have like 52 minutes to do, to do kind of whatever. I watch New Girl. <laughs> I never I never did that. I never went that far. But um I would I would read. Like I read a ton when I was subbing. I read a ton of books. I did that, I did that too. And uh one of the books I read was uh Springfield Confessional. Ooh, and that's, book. Um that's Mike Rice's um memoir. Um for those of you who don't know, Mike Rice was one of like the OG writers on The Simpsons. I'm talking he was like the fourth hire. And yeah. he co-ran the show with Al Jean for seasons three, four, and five. Some of the best seasons of television ever for context. Right. And, you know, he wrote, he's responsible for the monorail musical number. Um, just some great, some great moments in history. And even after he left, he, he did some writing for Parks and Rec. And um, mm. he created some other shows that are, you know, kind of underrated. And eventually he returned to the Simpsons as a full-time staff writer. And he said he did it because what he saw in those middle seasons, like seasons 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, were the people they were hiring weren't trying to write good episodes of the Simpsons. Mm. They were just trying to write simpsons episodes it was basically simpsons fan fiction right so it was like all right here homer has to choke out bart here marge has to scowl at homer right here mr burns has to say excellent right they're they're looking for they're, they were looking for beats to do the thing versus having those things come up naturally in a story that is both compelling and funny right and that's how I feel JJ treated episode nine. It wasn't that it wasn't competently made. It was that JJ was just looking for beats to hit. You know what I it, like? It was like he was playing a cover song, right? <laughs> it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like when someone does like an acoustic cover of like a, of like an EDM song or like a rap song where so much of the song, where so much of the quality of the song depends on the production and the other instrumentation. And you strip that all the way down to an acoustic guitar and someone's isolated vocals. It just doesn't sound right. Yeah. So that's just, that's what it, that's what it felt like to me was it was this like soulless kind of like stripped down version of what a star wars movie should be 
And to make things worse, it was supposed to be the ending to everything that we love about this saga. Yeah. And they thought this was the right way to do it with J.J. Abrams, who two times has written very mixed to bad endings, Lost and Felicity, and then struck out with Rise of Skywalker. He's never been good at writing endings to stories. It's just, you know. I never saw Felicity, so I can't comment on that. But Lost... I can see your point. I like the way Lost ended, but I mean, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't in its prime like it was for like seasons four and five. And I think part of that was like ABC, I think just said, you got to end the show. And I'm sure he's like, Oh fuck. I don't know how to do it without a stream, you know, without a, on my own. It seemed, it seemed like he just had to straight up say, pan, straight up panic and say, I got to end it. Okay. They're in purgatory. Yeah. I mean, the ending to Lost is pretty interesting because after season one, Damon Lindelof went to ABC and was like, uh, I only have like a season and a half left, so I don't know what you want to do. And they were like, that's fine. Make it 10 seasons. <laughs> and it, <laughs> Well, can we get six out of you? Yeah, and then they basically had to negotiate their way down to six. So... Like JJ, JJ spent so much of his early career like being touted as like this, as this next Spielberg. But I feel like he took away the the wrong lessons from Spielberg movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he definitely applied the sun flare rule. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and Spielberg movies have a lot of heart in them. Like you can kind of feel that and. I didn't feel that with this movie. I didn't feel a Force Awakens, but I felt Force Awakens is a much better movie in comparison to this. I always thought he's good at writing beginning stories, establishing characters. He knows how to make likely characters. That's one of his best traits. Absolutely. But Force Awakens is good because it's basically uh, hit for hit. It's New Hope. So and it, it kind of had to it, be. It already but... had something to go off of from whether this did not. I. I think I think what JJ tried to do here, right, is that you know, whether or not you believe JJ when he said that he really liked the Force Awakens, the Last Jedi and Ryan's script, I don't believe it no, just based on how just based on how they talked about it in the press leading up to the release. I I really don't believe that that they liked Ryan John that he liked what Ryan Johnson did with the last Jedi. Well, and, and Disney wouldn't even say the last Jedi, like when, uh, at celebration, they were like, uh, okay. So we, you know, we had star Wars episode eight. Here's a look at episode nine. You know, they wouldn't even say the last Jedi. They said force awakens. They said everything else, but they wouldn't, it's like, they thought it was just star Wars only. Oh, Oh. Mitch. Oh, Mitch. What did I do? No, I found something pretty revelation about JJ. He did like a um, video session Zoom meeting with some young film writers and screeners. And when he finally got into talking about the Rise of Skywalker, he he got to this. Um, He kind of waffled during the questions. He was proud of some sequences, the Pasana sequence in the desert. 
but that if he had more time, he would have done a lot differently. And it was very clear in his tone that he wasn't proud of a lot of things in the movie and that he definitely pushed for more time that he just couldn't get. And whenever he brings it up, the movie, during that session, he sounded like he's clearly not proud of a lot of the movie and wishes he had more time, both in writing and in setting. And let's see. Yeah, it's crazy. He was the secret guest for this screenwriter summit, and he said all that. Wow. Just so he, he wished he had more time because Colin Trevorrow got fired because of the, the Book of Henry bomb. Kathleen yeah. Kennedy made her March 2017, I think she fired him. Yeah. And they said, oh, we're going to put JJ back on in that summer. So him and Terry only had like a year to rewrite the script. Because I know they gave that Colin Trevorrow story credit in there, but when you read that draft script from Trevorrow, it's a completely different story with completely different tones, follows up from The Last Jedi way more than any other thing that they put in The Rise of Skywalker. I want to so, read this. I'm going I'm to find it and read it. Yeah. There's an animated um, – somebody did like an animated sequence of it, like a little Lego blocks, and it's pretty cool, actually. I'll send it in the group chat. Yeah. of what Trevorrow's movie could have possibly looked like. And was, was it like, going to okay. be called The Duel of the Fates? Yeah, and there was going to be some scenes in Coruscant, and Hux was going to be the Chancellor, hmm. <laughs> General Hux. And you know he didn't do a damn thing in Episode Nine. No. No. And the final battle was going to be on that Force planet that was in the Clone Wars, like this three-episode saga. It was this oh. crazy Force-based planet. Hmm. Um, and Kylo was going to stay evil the whole time. He should have stayed evil. Yeah, even even if if you just remove Palpatine from this movie, right, and you leave basically almost everything else as is, but you just leave Kylo Kylo kind of spiraling as like this Mad King character, then the movie automatically becomes better and more coherent, right? Because then you you have this you have this cop out, right? Where Kylo has Skywalker blood, therefore Kylo has to break good at the end. Yeah. Right? That that was that was a prequel ass decision on JJ's part. I mean that was that was something that George would have done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't understand why Kylo has to break good. If anything, he was even more irredeemable than Anakin was at the end of Return of the Jedi. So why all of a sudden, after one conversation with his dad, is he like, oh, I should be good now? Like, why didn't that work the first time? Yeah, they clearly didn't. They've shown traces of him being torn, like, you know, fighting to stay away from the light. But th that was another big issue. This was supposed to be Leia's movie, but Carrie Fisher died. Yep. And you could see that's one reason why they probably brought back Harrison Ford for that, albeit very good scene in the context of the story with uh, Kylo Ren being turned back. You know they could have had a lot of Leia-based stuff in that film, but yeah. Carrie Fisher being gone. It could have been more fleshed out. Well, I, I think Easily. that the only reason that him turning marks a little bit. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, Trevor. 
I think the re- the only thing with him being good works even a little bit is w- because of Leia. I think because she sacrificed herself to help him. So I think without that, then it doesn't work at all. Hmm. Yeah, they can only do with so much. So like, boom, she dies because she did that force call thing or something to, you know, so her and Ray stopped fighting, him and Ray. Right. That movie was just so jumbled. But they had a lot of circumstances around it, which to some degree I can't blame them. But again, we had another script for it. I don't know. I just, I, like I said, it makes me mad just talking about this movie. <laughs> I um, I agree with everyone that, you know, I did like the part where Leia called out to him because, you know, I'm a mama's boy. So it, like it stood out to me right away. And I think in that moment when he's like looking back and like, oh, shit. Like, I think that's the moment where he decides I'm, I'm good. Like my mom needs me or like, that's my mother calling to me. I need to help her or I need to see her. Like he, maybe in his mind, you know, he probably knew she was dying, but and maybe one smart, small part of his mind was like, I got to do everything I can to maybe see her one last time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could have come home and I just did not like the way he got redeemed. Like it was bad. Like you can redeem him and still do it justice but it was just so fucking bad and it was fan service all the way like the fucking kiss between the two um, the whole theater i was in just went ape shit at that part like one guy like started this long clap like yeah and then ugh. i'm just sitting there going these are the spoilers i read three months ago like they're the oh, yeah, that, you read too. <laughs> yeah they're the ones that leaked on reddit and i'm sitting there watching this movie unfold and i'm like oh fuck everyone else Uh, in the theater is like yeah star wars all right ray ray could have ray could have seriously gone at the end when that lady asked her who she is like my name's ray ray star wars (laughs) and the whole theater would have been like yeah i so annoying i i think i think this brings up a good point i think actually lucas you kind of bring up a good point it's a point about expectation, right? What do we expect out of a Star Wars film? And, you know, for someone like, for someone like us, like us, us five, who, you know, are a little more committed to the wider, to the wider universe outside of the movies, right? We a little more because we know that extra level exists you know what i mean right like we know we know the these movies can hit a high are both artistically narratively you know however you want to call it and it's just so disheartening to see like time and again these movies fail to hit hit that level you know whether it be the prequels or solo or episode seven episode nine you know it's just there's it feels like hesitance you know what i mean yeah like the the charger hellcat right the the dodge (laughs) charger hellcat has two sets of keys yep it has one key where it captures horsepower and it has another key where you have full unlimited potential. Like the valet key is what they call it. Right. And it, f- and it feels like 
it feels like these movies have never gotten the red key because it's a, it's a red key fob. They've never gotten that key to go like open it up. You know, the last Jedi came closest. They were like about to dangle the keys and put them in his hand. And then they're like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, that's how that felt. That's how that movie felt. Yeah. I just, I just wish they had committed. You know what I mean? Like they had committed one way or the other. You know, like they could have had JJ make the whole trilogy and it would have, it would have robbed us of, of episode eight, but it probably, we would have had tempered expectations for episode nine and we would have been fine. You know what I mean? I think it would have, I think we would have been, we wouldn't be nearly as upset. Right. Or wasn't the plan to have Ryan do episode nine too? Originally. That was the plan after they fired Trevorrow because Ryan has a story credit too. I think that I, I, know. I think the story I think I think it's story by um JJ Abrams and Chris Terrio and then I think they have a screen I think Trevorrow and Ryan share a screenplay by No it's, it's Trevorrow and Derek Connolly <laughs> okay. his writing partner because Ryan was focused on doing knives out in between the last 2 years so he had no involvement in episode 9 I thought maybe with consulting. He was originally going to write. Uh, I don't know about directing, but he was originally going to write eight and nine. That was the original plan. And then right when I think he started Last Jedi, they were like, or Ryan Johnson came out and said, "No, I'm not doing that anymore." I, I think, but he did say that was part of the original plan is for someone else to direct nine, but he writes the main script. Hmm. That I didn't know. Yeah, I remember that because I was so pumped when I heard Ryan Johnson got a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, same. I loved Looper. He's he, he hasn't made a bad movie in my eyes. Like Knives Out is fucking amazing. Um, All the good Breaking Bad episodes are his. Some of the greatest <laughs> episodes. Yeah, like Ozymandias from Breaking Bad. Like that's just as good as a movie. Um, but yeah, Mitch, great. I love the point about um, Finn being just the biggest simp for Ray <laughs> and just getting completely body bagged into the friend zone. And then, and then they even had to write <laughs> somebody who is basically his female clone mm-hmm. to be his partner at the end. Yeah. Like that was a little cliche. I thought I didn't like that. Well, Ray, Ray, Ray and Finn can't be together. So let's just get another person who looks like Finn and is a clone. Let's get another. Let's get another African. Let's get another black actor in there. That's basically what they yeah, said. Like it was like her and Finn and like one other person. Those are the only black people in Star Wars. And like, let's diversify it a little bit. <laughs> I totally forgot about yeah, the kissing so, too. <laughs> yeah, huh? the, uh, the two ladies kissing too. Yeah, that was like China. <laughs> That was like woke wars. I mean, I get that it. Was, that was like Disney saying like how, okay, this is us going to get the younger audience, and but we're not going to put it in for a long time because we don't want to make the uh, church people mad too. <laughs> yes. So like just, just a sec. That's all they get. <laughs> you don't want Trump to walk out of the screening until the very end. <laughs> I, I think I one thing I one thing JJ had like a real opportunity to do is 
keep all three of them together throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And he doesn't really even do that. Nope. Like, that's one of the things that I thought this movie was at least going to do was like, it was just going to be all three of them together. And, you know, if we're comparing, you know, trio to trio, like Luke Han and Leia weren't all three together at, at the same time for a lot of the trilogy, you know, Luke was off on Dagobah or, you know, he was up in the death star, but like, there's no, like, I don't, it's just they just had that one sequence all three together in that uh in the desert right movie but it took right. till the last film for all three poe didn't meet ray until the end of last jedi yeah and that i just that i just never understood you know what i mean it just doesn't um it doesn't register why like poe and finn weren't together more or like poe and ray because like at the beginning, Poe and Ray like bicker, but it's like super like it's super like we're only doing this to show you that they like know each other and like mm-hmm. they have disagreements. It wasn't for like any narrative purpose. It was purely expositional. And I just don't under I just don't understand why you needed that scene. Like why can't you just it it's very this movie is this movie is a compromise. It's a compromise between how JJ wanted to finish the story, what Kathleen Kennedy thought the fans wanted, what the fans told Kathleen Kennedy they wanted, and what Ryan Johnson set up in episode eight. It's just, it's one big compromise it is it's the affordable care act of star wars movies <laughs> wow wow that was uh that actually had me good there. i like it i like it um <laughs> like what do you guys think of the scene in the desert when ray and kylo basically have that tug of war oh i almost walked out of the theater when she did the lightning power i was like no this ain't happening <laughs> It was so dumb, and it's like you know, you know, Chewie's not gonna die. So like, why even, why even pull that? You know what I mean? Like, why would you even do that? Oh, my theater thought he's fucking dead. I thought he was dead. I mean, they killed Han, so all bets are off. Oh, dude, two fake outs. They had two fake outs. Him and C three PO. Yeah, I thought he was dead at first. Well, like. I, I wonder, in my head, I just kind of made a joke to myself, like, like, what if, uh, you know, Kylo, re- Kylo obviously knows Chewie's not in there, and when he lets go and then Ray kills, you know, the ship, or it makes it explode, in his head, he's probably just like, LOL, she thinks Chewie's dead. Got her. <laughs> Got him. You know what, um... <laughs> Episode of punk <laughs> Do you know what both these, you know what both of those fake-outs reminded me of? Uh, it's it. I'm, I'm in my bag. I'm ready. I have I have analogies on deck for this. If it's shit. a metaphor analogy, just just do it. Yeah. It's like um those fake outs are like when you would text like your crush in middle school, and you would like text something like really flirty, <laughs> and then you would go like just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, lol. Or like my friend, <laughs> my friend stole my phone. Act. Yeah, oh. my friend <laughs> took my phone. I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean. 
that was him. It wasn't me. That's exactly what this, that's what exactly what those things reminded me of. Cause it was like, all right, like if we if we do this so we can figure out what this, what this wayfinder says, what this holocron says, like three POs, like his memory's gone. And it was like, I just want to take one last look at my friends. And then they're like, does R2 have a backup? And they're all like, no, R2 doesn't have a backup. And then R2 has a backup. So yeah. it's like, really? Um, <laughs> well, back in my day in middle school, I didn't have text messaging. So you can okay boomer me for that one. <laughs> okay, well, boomer. AIM, whatever. ICQ. I um, what? Okay, now here's another one. I did not like the part where Luke comes back, where she goes back to the island. Because he basically retcons the last Jedi in, in his little short speech, like he says, "Yeah, I, I fucked up by staying here. I should have, I should have been, I should have been helping out." I, I didn't really care for that. Oh, I took that differently. I actually thought Luke was fine in this, a Force goes, when he's you know a Jedi deserves this weapon deserves more respect. I just thought that was like a silly. Thing for him to say after what he did in Last Jedi, just like, oh hey, this is Luke reformed, and he's letting Ray do the thing. When he said I was wrong, I thought he was more like I was wrong for staying on the island and abandoning the Jedi. That's more what I got out of it. Not okay. the I should have been there on crate. No, that's okay. Leia's lightsaber was cool though, I will say, and I am proud to have a replica of that. I wish I could just spend my money on lightsabers. <laughs> since this is a since this is an audio medium uh lucas has two lightsabers hung up on his wall i'll uh, i'll ignite them but well, one is mine <laughs> well this is the expensive ones though that's model props so here's here's one thing that Here's one thing that I really loved about this movie. What's that? Babu Frick. The the best thing to come out of this trilogy. Fun fact, same voice as uh, the lady who played Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. Really? Yeah, same lady. Dope, dope. Babu Frick, my fucking, my fucking dude. Babu Frick, steal your check. Things I've things I things I've noticed. Spartan dog loves the little creatures. I do. I love. I love little. I love little creatures, man. They just like my Nala hair. <laughs> yeah, sure, Trevor. Um, no, man. <laughs> fucking baby Yoda. Fucking Porgs. Babu Frick. Feed me that shit, baby. Yeah, all the practical uh, shit. If you can make a plush, if you can make a plush, Spartan dog wants it. Yep. <laughs> um, one one other thing I have an observation of. So, like, you know, when Ray gets up, you know, when they're all like, you know, basically like Randy from South, but like, get up, Rock, get up, you bum, and she grabs, you know, the other lightsaber gets to her, and then she has the two, and she defeats her grandfather. Like, in my mind, I'm going, well, what if Mace Windu had two lightsabers? Could he have just done that same thing to kill Palpatine without? Obviously, the uh, interference of Anakin, but I just I was that was an interesting observation that popped up in my head. Like, oh, so it just takes two lightsabers to kill a, 
a Sith Lord, not just one. Okay. I feel like it was like also because he was a much like like weaker version of himself in this movie. Well, he sucked the life force. That's a bad. <laughs> ben, yeah, yeah. Ben, do you have chug jugs? I need chug. I need heels. Are you stocking? Are you stocking bigs? <laughs> Mats, do you have? I need steel. He he Why absorbed the life force of Ray and Ben. To become like closer to his episode three self. Yeah, but he didn't quite get there though. Yeah, pretty close, like ninety percent complete. No, not fully. But and so Palpatine was a clone, correct? They they said that um, what like I, two weeks later after the movie came out. I believe the novelization has him as a clone, which like the novelization of the movies are canon. I believe they should have said that in the opening crawl. It would have it would have made more sense, and and I don't think and. The, Palp- the somehow Palpatine's return line wouldn't have been as ridiculous if they said an unknown clone of Emperor Palpatine exists in the Exegol system. Yeah, even in the opening scroll, it's basically like, hey, guess what? He's back! Exclamation point. <laughs> Palpatine, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> do, you guys play, do you guys play Fortnite? <laughs> <laughs> Download <I'm> Fortnite. <laughs> figure this out. Oh my my last ben, I'm healing. I'm healing. Build, build, I'm healing. <laughs> um, I have I have feet. I have feet. Do do we want to talk about the kiss? No. <laughs> what do you what do you think about it? Well, I just think like they should have done the way they did it obviously didn't work, but if they had either done if there was more build up between the two of them romantically prior to the kiss and then he lives that works or even if it's build up prior to the kiss and he dies it works but i mean basically like there's there's no payoff for it and there's no build up so it's not a payoff for something else so it just absolutely happens real quick for no reason and then he's dead i felt like they hinted at it the whole time with them being like throughout all the movies of them being, you know, psychically connected and every movie she's trying to turn him back. And like, that was kind of like her own goal, you know, like, you know, they always say like, you know, girls try and take the bad guy and make him good kind of thing. Like, I think I can fix, I think I can fix him. I mean, I guess I, guess I always no, thought I, it was more of like a good versus evil instead of like a, like a hey, I like you if you're on the light side. He's just misunderstood. LOL. <laughs> I, but yeah, that's literally. I feel like that's literally what they tried to do throughout the entirety of the movies. Like, like I can, you know, I can fix him. The 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 every four, every, every every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Right. <laughs> every force dyad that Kylo initiates, it was a, a version of him just going you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he was shirtless. He was shirtless though, which I, like, I don't want to be stubborn. I was like, yeah, me too. And he just yeah. turns around looking full. Shirtless Kylo Ren was a unit. That'd been <sighs> great episode. I would have given it five more points if he went shirtless the whole movie for like no reason. <laughs> Dude, the- oh man. Was, was I the only person who thought like, they were going to be related somehow at the end? Because I totally thought that was hinting more at that than like romantically. Because no. they both had the powers. Oh, speaking of the end, like, why is only Luke and Leia there? Like, why isn't Ben or, like, Anakin there, too? Yes! 
<laughs> like if the whole point is like Ray's like adopting the Skywalker bloodline, like why aren't all the Skywalkers there? Yeah, he managed to put the ghosts of Carrie Fisher literally in there. Why not put Hayden Christensen and Adam Driver? And also going back to the Palpatine clone thing. Like it's even in the novelization, it's never explained why Palpatine's clone so fucked up. Like that's what that's what Matt Smith like. They decided to cut Matt Smith, but like that's what he was going to be. He was going to be a younger clone of Palpatine. Oh, that's right. So like, why not just use Matt? Like I'm Tiny Palpatine. That's that's well, a joke that that's a joke that like a third of the listeners are going to get. Oh, um, Cassie you brought up a good, a Rick good and Morty, about- Tiny Tiny Rick. Anybody? <laughs> oh, I remember that episode. I'm oh, Tiny Sheev. <laughs> Jesus. Well, people always like Ian McDermott because he's the king of memes and king of camp. So, fan service to bring him back. I mean, at first, when when the Force Awakens came out, I started to wonder if they were brother and sister that were just separated. Oh, that's that was an interesting theory. That's what, because that's what Cassie was bringing up a minute ago, and. You know, it still could have been like that for episode nine, but you know, you re- it really wouldn't be great to have another set of brothers and sisters kissing. You know, I when I heard, I haven't gotten to that point in Clone Wars yet. Like, I'm just starting season three right now. Um, when I heard like Kenobi had a girlfriend at one point, I was like, oh, like she's gonna be like a Kenobi love child. Like that's mm. like, which like would have been cool. Would have been a better decision than like, yeah, Papeltine's clone like went rogue and decided to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was he was doing it up, man, as the emperor. He was living him big. Yeah, Sith but, all Sith are all lust. Yeah, that's how that's how Palpatine clones uh rebel. They just fuck. He was just he was just shredding ass all throughout the galaxy. He he was tapping Punani from from Tatooine to Jakku. I mean I just I think we're talking about this. It's just it's, like uh, it's sad when you read the spoilers for the movie three months in advance and you I'm sitting there going, No, this can't be right. Like I was like almost staying up late at night, like, no, this this can't be true. It's impossible. <laughs> and then and then at the minute I sat up in the movie theater and started watching it and I'm like, Fuck, this is it. And what's funny is Sav called it like we were talking about like this time last year. And Sav was like, I bet she's a Palpatine. <laughs> and then I messaged him, like, when I read the spoilers, I'm like, so do you want to know if you're right or wrong? And he's like, yeah, I want to know. And I told him, yeah, she's a Palpatine. He said, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cassie, Cassie really liked Richard E. Grant, friend of uh, LCB. Richard E. Grant, just fucking awesome dude. Here's the thing about Star Wars canon that pisses me off so much. We learn, like, we first learn that Hux is a traitor on, like, on a ride. Like, what the fuck? Like, why does everything have to exist within this specific, within this specific canon? 
like the only thing that we were missing from this trilogy was like an appearance by the fucking Star Tours robot. Oh my god. You know, uh, that was like that was the only thing we were missing was like was like a little flyby like, hey, it's this Star Tours robot, and then like fucking Screen Rant could rip off like 30 articles just about that. <laughs> that's one thing I definitely will miss. The theories and all these articles that just lead to a quote from a star. Like John Boyega had the script in a hotel room, apparently. <laughs> it's like this is how much the actors that genuinely cared about their film. You know, they won't ever say, but you could see Oscar Isaac in the press interviews. He didn't give a shit. He was done. They were I, don't so think John, I don't think John Williams gave a shit either. I thought, I thought he mailed this one in, honestly. Oh, all, almost all of them. You could tell Boyega was just out about had it. He wasn't a huge fan of where he was going in The Last Jedi. No. And then they pretty much made him just scream Ray and, oh, here's another kind of stormtrooper that's black and we can go not an uprising at the end. Okay, there's your, there's your little role. thought you were going to be so much more. Just untapped potential wasted, man. That's what this entire movie was. Palpatine's temple did look cool, though. I will I'll give, give the that. cinematographers and set designs, designers credit. Like, they, cool planet. They, took, they took the original what Macquarie paintings or illustrations and made his um, throne. You know, they copied that, which was pretty sick. Like the, that. That's the one thing I did like is the the creature design and and the the set design was really was was actually pretty good. Yeah, that little festival they had at the Pasana planet. Good stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And I like the little Snoke factory that we see in the background when Kylo Ren's down there walking around. Oh, that part also <laughs> should not have been like one of the first scenes. Oh yeah, what yeah, what what that was odd. What what do you think should have been the first scene? Well, I'm not sure, but like not that. Like that felt like it needed more build up or or something. Yeah. It just was weird to kind of have that be like, oh, he's here now in this like major plot point. No, but Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, to be all explain yeah. Fortnite Apparently first. Fortnite is when like some of this shit was explained. It was like a pregame for the movie. Okay, well that doesn't <laughs> count because it's not in the movie. The movie needs to stand by itself. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we all know. That's so. <laughs> dumb. The planet Kylo Ren was on in the beginning of the movie, and he was wrecking those uh, troopers that were protecting the holocron or whatever, the Wayfinder. Yeah. Apparently, that was Mustafar, the volcanic planet. Oh shit! Yeah, according to the novelization, Ren was on like the other part of Mustafar that was dry land. That's where Darth Vader had a layer. You you think That's he'd it. buy land where his grandpa? had a layer like you know i i own a small condo on mustafar <laughs> actually, the, the trevor script actually did that here on mustafar that obsessed with his grandpa it's like fuck buy some land on mustafar and chill out like go on a vacation once in a while <laughs> i forgot about the Fortnite shit i remember seeing a tv spot that kind of gave that opening away that's really stupid i think the opening should have been what ray doing the whole be with me or just something different, you know, not Kylo Ren committing another, like, genocide. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, I guess literally anything else would have been better. They always start in space, and that's what they do. <laughs> just that's... zoom on down to Mustafar, and boom, he moonwalks and stabs a guy. That shit was cool, though. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, like I, I like I still even though this movie is not good, like I think the quote that Cass said it, it should have been done better is pretty or there's a better solution. That's pretty much the summary of this movie. And like I will say that by far the best part was Adam Driver. It is not even a question. He's been the best part of all three of these movies. Yeah. The whole trilogy, he is the lone bright shining star and i think mark hamill's right up there with him and last jedi but you don't have enough of mark hamill in this one to really say otherwise well you don't you don't need to be surprised that mark hamill's gonna pull it out you already right. know he does so that's like not really a thing in your that's a question but like i really didn't know adam driver you know i but you know i only really know him through this and you know i watched a lot of his movies like you know marriage story and um, Black Klansman, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but so good in Black Klansman. He's he's a phenomenal actor, and I'm so glad they cast him in this because he deserves to have more big movies like this. I mean, he doesn't seem like the guy really gives a shit about how big or small a movie is, and I'm sure he's probably suffering from Star Wars fatigue, so we won't see him in a blockbuster for a long time. But I just have to say how amazing he was in these movies. Like he he took the shittiest scripts and just made it he he made it he made it every scene with him so watchable. Thinking of Dry Adam Driver in the movie, didn't it feel like he was gone forever the moment he threw his lightsaber away to him just randomly coming on Exegol to fight Palpatine? And it like wasn't that, that long of a time gap either. It felt so long though, because he was just that great. It's just it just reinforced how offbeat the pacing was throughout that entire movie. Because forty five minutes, that shit felt like it was on cocaine. It was just going from here to here to here, the desert planet to uh, a wayfinder, MacGuffin. It's just like, oh, Adam Driver's gone for a while. Oh, oh, there's Leia. Uh, oh, there's Palpatine. Where's he been for a while? And yeah, they just threw too much in. JJ's JJ's storytelling. Like, have you guys ever? listen or watch his TED talk about how we write stories. Mystery box, I don't right? want to. <laughs> he, he calls the concept the mystery box, right? And there's, there's this box, right? And it contains all the answers, but you have to figure out how to open it. <laughs> not a fucking happy meal. So yeah, it's, it's like... It's not an escape room, it's a movie. <laughs> so it's like right like in lost right the the question the mystery box at the center of lost is like what's the deal with this island right right and once you have that central mystery like it's the characters whose whose job is to open it and that's an ass backwards way of writing a story because every ending is going to be bad because it's just going to tell you the answer at the end it's not going to like it's not going to do anything interesting, right? Everything no. built around this mystery box is in service to opening this box and seeing what's inside. What, what's the box in this movie? What's the mystery? I think the mystery was like, who are Ray's parents? Yeah. And... Will Kylo Ren be redeemed? Maybe that's... Yeah, the like, like, what's, like, is Kylo Ren capable of being redeemed? And he's not, but he gets redeemed anyway. 
and I can't even I can't even make a light genocide joke because like <laughs> Kylo Ren commits heavy genocide. Like well, and they tried to make him more uh, I'd say relatable or you know human when he finally gets to Exegol as Ben Solo and he jumps on that, you know, chain that brings him down the temple and just goes ow. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like are we supposed to laugh? You know, like, that was just a really awkward edit. It's like, just show him going down there and getting ready to kick some ass. Because, like, when he grabs the lightsaber from Ray, that's so fucking awesome. You know, because if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'm wrong. Is that Anakin's lightsaber that he holds or his mom's? Yeah, the Graflex. Yeah, it's, it's his oh. grandpa's lightsaber, isn't it? Lucas, and he does the Han shrug. He does yeah. Han full shrug. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to beat your fucking asses. You can't really do anything about it. <laughs> Oh yeah, the like, Knights of Ren too. Like, what? Duck. What is their? What's their? Uh, what's their deal? I thought. I thought we were gonna get more. Yeah. Like, maybe that's like Ryan's fault for like, Ugh. like not following through on the Knights of Ren in Episode Eight. I really don't give a shit about the Knights of Ren, but like, I remember JJ was just going so hard when the movie started being teased. Like, trust me, you're gonna see the Knights of Ren, and it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna be blown away. And then we get like maybe two it's minutes. Yeah. <laughs> are they like? Are they supposed to be like? Are they supposed to be inquisitors? Like I don't understand what their what their deal is. Well, we'll find out on Fortnite maybe. Yeah. No, I I think I think they're gonna switch over to um, Apex. <laughs> so we'll find out. <laughs> Trash game. We'll find out on now. Yeah, they'll do Star Wars TikToks. Hope it shows up in your feed. That's customizable. You better tell TikTok you like Star Wars. And maybe season, maybe season four, the Mandalorian will get into the Knights of Ren. Oh, finally, that made sense. But like, I did like again. Palpatine's plan was good. Like, but how did it take him forty years to realize? I could put this tech in this sweet tech. I could put this tech into all these star destroyers. Like, why didn't they think of that from the beginning? Cause then no one would have fucking beaten these guys. I feel like that should have been the plan in episode six. Yeah. That, that should have been the, and then maybe start and then, then star killer would make a little bit more sense, you know, because then it's not just a, like a third part. It's just like, okay, you know, we haven't seen the Death Star in like 40 years. That That's fine. But, yeah, I, I did like – it was pretty sick to see all those ships come out from the ice with uh, the Star Destroyers. And, and I did think the name sucked, though, the Final Order. Like, what if it what if it screws up? Do you have to say, um, the new Final Order? Like, what? I didn't. I didn't like the name. That was just a dumb Seinfeld-like observation for me. How were all those made in like a thirty-some-odd-year span by his minions too? <laughs> like thousands of them. Just and who? Okay. Who the fuck are Papeltine's minions? Like is Papeltine like <laughs> Satan? Like is Papeltine just like controlling Force Hell? And he's just got all these little Force right. demons building these ships. Like that's like what the fuck. <laughs> Right. You know about I mean? the Sith is the rule of two. There can only be two for the Sith. I know there's dark side users, but <laughs> is that uh, like movies, is that dude. like is that like the version like instead of becoming a Force ghost, you just like go to Exegol and like that's like hell. Like is that is Exegol hell? 
is that where we're supposed to like, is that the thing we're supposed to take away? It's like Palpatine Satan and like Exegol as hell. I don't understand. I don't understand. No. That's Chris Terrio for you. Just, oh, it looks cool. Don't, don't, don't try and explain it. Don't try and reason with it. Just go with the flow. At least they didn't have like the amazing Spider-Man guys write it. So they didn't have to like, we need blood. We need your, Ray, we need your blood. Oh man. Yeah. I'm like, and Kylo Ren is like Harry Osborn for some reason. Yeah. We need your blood. And also here's Darth Maul for like two minutes at the beginning and at the end. Oh, by the way, if you're in the Clone Wars, you're going to fucking love Darth Maul, dude. He's become I'm still, one of the I'm still burning. I'm still trying to get through it. Um, not good. I'm not doing great with it, pal, but I'm trying. I'm saying just go to that essential episode list and do that. That's what I've been but watch doing. The stuff. It's I, I did so say, fun. I did want to say it's great to hear Hayden Christensen again. I think it would have been cool if we got a scene with him talking to Ben. I know it would have been a total member Barry Zoom, but I don't give a fuck. I feel like I feel like I feel like Anakin would have made more sense in that scene than Han. Yeah. That would have been oh that would have been great. I think they did that just for Carrie Fisher's sake. Then Harrison Ford, that's probably the only reason why they went back for it. But yeah, that would have been sick if it was Hayden the whole time. Harrison Ford's like, what that the fuck? Been I gotta crazy. come back here. Well, they have like they have like Carrie's daughter like front and center in all of those scenes, and she's like a great actress. Like she's yeah. so fucking funny and book smart. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. She is God. so good at book smart, and she's just like, and she's just like hanging out. She, um, her character in book smart is I don't know how to explain it. She's like. She's like if she's like female McLovin if female McLovin went to like Electric Forest every summer. Like that's the vibe she gives off. She's so good. She's basically like, Carrie Fisher is like a guardian angel for the main characters at, at that age on drugs. Like she was just everywhere. <laughs> Fucking loved it. It's so good. She's so funny. My, and she's great in Euphoria too. She's fucking awesome in Euphoria. My final note was, and I, I said it earlier, but I had more to it. My name is Ray, Ray Star Wars. And then I put in parentheses, huge applause, audience shits, comes, farts, and cries. <laughs> That's basically what happened at my screening. Like, I, I, I almost got kicked. I almost got like looked at by the people in my uh, row when, oh, shit, what happened? I think it was the kiss. And I just said out loud, are you kidding? <laughs> And like they all looked at me like I was psychotic, and I'm going, okay, all right, be quiet. That's up. how that kiss is how I know Kathleen Kennedy is a member of horny Star Wars fan Tumblr. <laughs> Raylos, baby. Whoo! The best part of that night was seeing the tenant prologue. That was the best part of watching episode nine. I didn't have an IMAX theater near me, so I didn't get that luxury. So I guess I'm gonna have to wait until 2021 when Tenant comes out. Yeah, yeah, and I have to make that fucking picture. Can't wait. Twist, twist the knife, Spartan dog. Yeah, he's just going for the jugular. Do you guys, do you guys want my Hamilton thing now? Because I can do my Hamilton thing. I liked Hamilton. It's all right. So here's the here's the uh, slave master rat machine go burr. 
pun intended, like you can spell it B U, you know, like Aaron Burr, get it? Uh, you know, I listen. The music is the music's good. The music's great. Okay, like I enjoyed it. Like once I was like, once I was like, all right, like they're not gonna like have like a serious historical interrogation of Alexander Hamilton and the founding fathers, right? I was able to like, I was able to accept it as what it was. But like my biggest problem with the play was like they make all these like passing mentions of like ending slavery, right? Like John, Lor like John Lawrence always like, always says like, we're not going to be free until everybody's free. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the end, Eliza says how she like spent the rest of her life, like fighting against slavery. But like the Schuyler sisters wealth, like came from the slave trade. And like, there's even, there's even, some evidence that Hamilton like negotiated negotiated the price of slaves on behalf of his father-in-law and like he may have even owned slaves I thought so, that was like, pretty implied I mean I could be seeing it wrong I mean I, they were just like like they were just like socialites like that was like that was like the extent that they talked about and it's like yeah, I guess it's assumed like if you're wealthy in like the 18th century that like you're probably in the slave trade. But like I don't know, I just I think I think the movie adaptation of this of this play is going to be super interesting. Because this the play the play came out in like this era of we did it. You know what I mean? Like we did it. We did it. We did it. You know what I mean? Like this, like, like this, this racism. Yeah. That's exactly like they were like, it was like, to, it's like when in football, they like, they like start celebrating at like the two yard line and spike the ball down before they mm. cross the goal line. Mm. That's what Hamilton was kind of like, because it came out like towards the end of this Obama of this Obama era kind of politics where it was like this surface level representation of politics and government. Mm. And it was like this, it was supposed to be like this reimagining where uh, black and brown people, right. Were parts of the revolution, but like black and brown people were already part of the fucking revolution. The first casualty of the revolutionary war was a black man. And there were black union soldiers. So I just feel like, I feel like not bringing that up is just kind of like this, this weird omission on the plays part. And like, I don't know if it's just because like, I'm so deep, I'm so balls deep in history. And like, I know so much from so many different angles that like, it makes me unable to like fully like buy in but like I could never fully get there. And I'm not going to sit here and shit on the play. Like Satisfied's a fucking bop. You know what I mean? Satisfied fucking rules. It's a great, it's a great fucking song. It, it just is. And is that the one with, is that the Debbie Diggs? No, no, that's the, uh, that's the Angelica Schuyler song. Okay. Where like it yeah, starts, yeah. it starts at their wedding and then it goes backwards. It's like, it's a destiny's child song basically more or less and 
I just, and I, you know, this isn't to say that I didn't like the play. I really liked the play. I thought it was great. You know, I thought the, I thought the King George the Third stuff, like I hilarious, so fucking funny. He's Jonathan Groff is so fucking good, dude. That was so good. It's weird to see as a person who didn't know he was King George to watch him in uh, Mine Hunter, and. <laughs> and then, yeah, and the next thing we see him, he's in like full makeup. And he pops up his boy, they fall. I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, he was fucking great. He it was great when he like sat down in the chair in the corner after one, I think his last song, and he, was just like, and he's watching. Yeah, and he's so watching happy the, that everything was falling apart. He's watching the chaos ensue when like Hamilton was like writing was like writing against uh, John Adams, and he was like, "Here, yeah. John, you fat motherfucker!" It was just like. <laughs> The guy who played George Washington was fucking great. Yeah, like, what's his deal? What's he been in? Like, where's he at? Like, all these people are blowing up except for this guy. Like, what the fuck? He's older than all of them. He hasn't been in much. He's been a Broadway guy, like, pretty much his whole life. He's a pro. Like, he got started The Lion King when that first went on Broadway, and he's been in a lot of shit since. But he's he's not a big movie guy or anything. The fuck? He's like, it's kind of totally deserved it. Like, David Diggs is fucking great, and uh, Leslie Odom is great. I almost call him Lamar Odom. Um, but my whole like, but it just kind of goes back to like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm incapable of like fully, fully enjoying the play just because it's like, this isn't, this is. This isn't like this isn't historically honest. I think you know what. Jer Bear was like, so are you oh, shitting God. on the Rod? Are you shitting on the Ron Chernow book? And like, I'm not. I haven't read the Chernow book, so I can't speak. But it's just like, like they're like the play is historically accurate, right? Like my favorite thing is like Martha Washington actually did name a feral tomcat after Hamilton because Hamilton was just like fucking everything that moves. Yeah, Hamilton was big time horny. Yeah, Hamilton was a big old horn dog. Horny well, on man. Like all men were that horny back then, but it definitely wasn't like a thing to like respect women or respect your wife back then. All men, all men were that horny always for all time. All you need to do is look at <laughs> all you need to do is look at Blake's timeline between the hours of oh seven p.m. <laughs> and two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should was we, pretty uh, good, but it's very accurate. Should we break? Should we break some sports news before we get out of here? Are we allowed? Are we allowed to break yeah. that kind of news? I mean, it's on. Is that it's, is that, it's is, on. that is, is that common knowledge? I'm not, I'm not saying shit, so I get edited out again. again. <laughs> it's, it's 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 on Spartan Mag, so I mean, like anyone could go see it. All right, yeah. Um, do that real quick. Let's let's end let's on the pod right now, gentlemen. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, Cassie, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your insight. All right, guys, go green. All right, Xavier Tillman's coming back. Damn right, and I'll do it again Cause yeah. I am like so I got to win Break bread with the enemy No matter how many cats I break bread When I break, who you sending me? Yeah. You motherfuckers never wanna know But your life saved Bitch, and that's on a life day I'm getting down, down Like a nigga said freeze But won't be the one ending up on his knees, bitch
Prince, please. But the only thing you can't steal was came out to play. Stay out my way, motherfucker. First we gonna rock, then we gonna fall, then we let it pop. Don't let it go. What? X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. First we gonna rock, then we gonna fall, then we let it pop. Don't let it go. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. He ain't never gave nothing to me. Me, me against you Whatever, whenever, nigga, fuck you gon' do I'm a wolf in sheep clothing Only nigga that you know who can chill Come back and get the streets open I've been doing this for 19 years Niggas wanna fight me, fight these kids I put in work and it's all for the kids But these cats done forgot what work is They don't know who we be looking But they don't know who they see Nigga, first we gonna rock Then we gonna fall Then we let it pop